Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Premier Football Podcast on PFP Media. Joe's got his new laptop this week on the show. Ireland are still shit. England's opposition are still shit. <laughs> we look ahead to the Qatar World Cup. And yeah, that, that's this week's show. Joe, you've got your new laptop. You buzzing? I, I, I am buzzing, Rafe. And do you know what? I'm, I'm glad that I don't support the, the Irish national football team because if I was supporting Arsenal and this our Irish football team, I, I really don't think that I would, would be able to take, to take it. <laughs> I mean, this is, as, this is as low as it can possibly get. This is as low as it can possibly get. The string of results that Arsenal, that Arsenal, I'm so used to to saying that the string of results that Ireland have uh, put together in 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 recent times since Stephen Kenny took over, culminating with the one nil defeat at home to Luxembourg. Yeah, look, uh, over the weekend is is, is 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 just as as bad as it can get. They're now without a win in nine games. Um, they have they scored two goals um, away to Serbia. The the first two goals in, I think they they went seven games without a goal before they before they netted those. And they they capped off the international break with a home defeat to Luxembourg. Luxembourg, to put it in perspective, has a population of three hundred and thirty thousand people, a quarter of the size of Dublin. Mm. Luxembourg is a city. It's just a city. It's a small city. It's, it, it, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a small city in, in, you know, kind of sandwiched between um, the, the Netherlands and Belgium, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Maybe bordering France as well. It's in that little area. Um, yeah, it's a small city. It's not, it's, <laughs> it's a very rich small city. Obviously, it's, it's, it's heavy into banking. But I mean, in terms of that, that doesn't necessarily equate with, producing good footballers and we've seen over the years that Luxembourg along with the likes of San Marino, um, Liechtenstein, Andorra, these tiny, 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 uh, almost city-states, I suppose you could call them, a relic of the past, uh, if you will, are, are, they're not very good at football. And, and and for for Ireland, and I mean, I mean, this is this is probably the worst. This is the worst Irish team we've seen in in our, in our lifetime. The, the the team under Brian Kerr was pretty bad. Steve Staunton um, was pretty bad as well. Steve Staunton was was pretty bad as well. But um, but the, but I mean, this is just, uh, it's, it's not all on the manager. I mean, I mean, the the quality of this players he has to choose is from is 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 really really bad um the league of ireland is in an absolute mess there's nothing in grassroots football in in ireland um i mean it's a really i as, yeah, as, as, the, as someone yeah. who would care i mean i care but i don't care the same way as you do obviously but like what what, what needs to be done here like this is how, how do i get out of this mess look you, is it you, as simple as sacking stephen kenny you make some good points about the the state of irish football and i don't i don't want to get straight into to getting the boot in on stephen kenny because it is it is a poison chalice uh to a degree the FAI is completely skint. And I mean, it's, it's beyond skint. Like it's, it's administration level skint after, after John Delaney has moved on now. Um, There was all sorts of um, FIFA and UEFA grants that were put on hold while those proceedings were being sorted out. And there's a real lack of money. The the lack of fans going to um, football matches, obviously international games and League of Ireland games has had a massive impact on money for the FAI as well but these are all long-term issues we, we Ireland has never developed its own players we've always been reliant on British clubs developing players for us and yeah look at the moment 
there is not a brilliant crop of players. I think there's some optimism about some of the young players coming through. The under-21s have, have been quite good in recent years. But these guys are all still kids. You know, it, it's too much to, to expect them to be carrying it through. And, and that's part of the issue that some people take with Stephen Kenny is, is that he's trying to fast-track some of these kids through into the senior team. He's left out players that would have been regulars in the team for years and years and the the circumstances with which he took over really cursed it for him because Mick McCarthy managed to get through the entire Euro qualifying campaign only losing one game there were some dire dire draws some nil alls some some one alls games they should have won that they didn't games they were far too conservative and it was painful to watch but he had us on the brink of qualifying for what we thought was going to be a tournament played on home soil and Everybody was buzzing for that. We, we were in a playoff with Slovakia and Slovakia were missing key players through injury and everybody fancied us. But because of because of the pandemic and because the, the tournament was delayed for a year, Stephen Kenny was announced as, as the new boss prior to these playoff games and prior to the tournament rather than after it. And I think if if he had taken over after the tournament, win or lose, you know, that mixed kind of chapter would have ended ended properly and, and, and Mick McCarthy is an incredibly popular man in, in mm. Ireland you know he got us to the 2002 World Cup and um, obviously there was the, the falling out with Roy Keane but he in recent years since he took the job back over he seems to almost have have swung public opinion on, on that whole situation as well yeah let's let's look a little bit about when Ireland have been quote-unquote successful in international football and of course well okay successful for Ireland is qualifying for a major tournament and not getting knocked out in the group stages I would say progressing through the group stages would that be correct that, to get to the oh to god the, yeah the that, that's, that, that, that's the ultimate like to get to the tournament yeah. is the aim but to get out to get out of the group is, mm. is celebrated so we're looking at 1990, 1994, and 2002. And who were the managers in charge then? It was Jack Charlton and Mick McCarthy, who were both um, English managers. I know Mick McCarthy played played for Ireland internationally, incidentally, under uh, under Jack Charlton. But listen to his accent. I mean, he's, he's got about the most, <laughs> the strongest Yorkshire accent you could possibly you could possibly have. So he obviously grew up in the, in the UK. And what both of those managers did was that they tapped into the... Um, the pool of um, Irish descendants playing uh, in 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 English in, in in the English leagues, we could think of the likes of Tony Cascarino, um, Matt Holland, people like that who did very very well for Ireland um, in the in the nineties and, and then two thousands. Ireland have gone down a different route. I feel like the the the, the Kenny option came too soon. The, there should have been someone in between Mick and Stephen Kenny if they were going to do that, if, if they wanted to bridge the gap between, uh, uh, you know, a conservative style of football, l- looking to bring in players from uh, who have, who, who have Irish descendants to who are Irish descendants, and then going to all out, like we're going to go for the grassroots option. If I can th- touch on that two, for two a sec, I think, the, the way in which Kenny was announced was absolutely diabolical. It's the kind of thing that yes. you, you'd never yes. see anywhere else. It, it, yeah. I think it was even the start or relatively early in the qualifying stage before Mick had put this run together. They announced that Kenny would be taking over after the tournament. And nobody really knew how to feel about it. And then McCarthy went on this run of, of not losing games and, and, you know, putting us in a position to qualify and, and increase his popularity and, and seemed to be 
gen- like having these players genuinely overachieving. You look at Sheffield United in the league last year, genuinely overachieving for the players that they had. And, and this is what McCarthy, obviously we weren't playing that kind of football, but this is, these were the kind of results, or, or, or at least if you look at the, the table, that this is where we were, where we were getting. We were on par with the likes of Denmark and, and Sweden, who are decent, decent mid, like lower t- tier um, footballing nations, rather than losing at home to Luxembourg. Let me ask you, what style of football did Denmark play? What style of football does Sweden play? Man, I don't know if you watched big, them recently. Big target they, man. Yes, they play a conservative. They know that they don't produce. You know, every now and again they produce a, a Brian Laudrup in Denmark or Christian Eriksen or, or a Zlatan in, in or Henrik Larsson in 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 Sweden. But by and large, they're tall, big Nordic men. Who, who, who are tough to play against when, when, when they physically impose themselves on the opposition. I, I, likewise, our Irish people are traditionally pretty big. I know that probably the, the biggest Irish lads go off and play rugby and, and GAA and not football. But at the same time, Ireland do produce a few big lads. And when Ireland have had success, it's been utilising that strength and that grit and that determination in a pragmatic way i don't think that ireland have any right to be trying to play expansive football in, in that I mean, qualifying campaign about... that i touched on uh the top scorer was shane duffy obviously a central defender who, who scores b- bag loads of headers like yeah i mean it, uh, in years gone by the, the classic ireland goal unless it was robbie Keane scoring was a richard dunn header from a set piece like that it was either going to be a robbie, robbie Keane finding a way or else Richard Dunn scoring from a set piece. Um, yeah. I, I just don't think Ireland, yeah. And look, I, so I, I mean, the discussion with, with friends this week has been, oh, but we're playing more attractive football now. You know, it's more more enjoyable to it. watch. Well, look, the, I, I w- we were all falling asleep watching Ireland before. Genuinely, people would doze off during the game and you'd wake up after an hour and it would still be nil on and say, Jesus, I didn't miss much, did I? You know, and, and international breaks were, they were dreaded. But at least there was a sense that they were for something, you know, when you're working towards a tournament. We're, we're now two games into this qualifying campaign and we essentially have no chance of qualifying. So that means mm-hmm. that for all of the remainder of 2021, 2022, um, and sorry, the first half of 2022, there's nothing to play for until after the 2022 World Cup, we can start looking ahead for the 2024 Euro qualifiers. So we already know that it's going to be at least three years before Ireland get anywhere near an international tournament. And it, it, it's, it's incredibly deflating knowing that you know, like international, international management is a results business. You do not have time to coach the players. You know, you, you have got to work with what you have available to you. You can't go out and buy new players that, that suit your style or implement a long-term plan about bringing young players. That, that's not what it's about. It's about the next game. And if, yeah. if you can get the chance to, to take a young player and, and you're there for a few years and you can bring them up and make them part of your team, that's fantastic. But that's not what you're there to do. Yeah, I, I think I think that you can, I completely agree, but I think you can uh, instill a new culture, but it takes years and it takes resources and it takes investment in grassroots football uh, over a period of, I mean, we're talking about 20 years or so. If you look at how Belgium have, have grown since the 1990s to what they are today, that's, I think, is, the, is, is probably, they haven't won anything, but they've improved the most out of any international side. Um, 
Perhaps I could throw England in there as well. To, I was to hoping I was hoping you were to. going to because that there is this there's a perception that England have been playing considerably nicer football under, under Gareth Southgate. But if we mm. look ba- if we look back, well, he, he's considered to be a progressive manager because he I, I don't know he picks three midfielders. Yeah, I mean and, he's considered to be because he's an FA darling because he's a he's a yes man, isn't isn't that? I, I would say so. <laughs> I, I I watch England pretty regularly. I'm not a uh, I'm not a staunch England supporter but they're my national team and I watch them when I can and I mean how many goals from open play did they score in the in the last Euros or the last World Cup yeah a handful at best a handful handful Harry Kane scored penalties and and headers from corners and and was top scorer yeah this is it no I I completely I I mean Gareth Southgate has changed this time but but he's been playing five at the back for for a long time Um, but play to your strengths though England are a big team as well and look there's no there's nothing wrong with getting yourself to a to a World Cup semi-final by scoring goals from headers from set pieces of of course not but when when the press are trying to say that it's something else then that's Mm. Then, then, then there's a bit, then there's, then there's a bit of an issue. Just to kind of finish up on on Ireland, maybe before we go on 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 to England, I think from an outside perspective, is what 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 is most embarrassing about all this is that when you see uh, national teams like Scotland and Wales do so much better, and I mean especially Wales, we're obviously reaching the the semi-finals of the Euros in 2016, and they have tiny resources. The majority of their resources go to rugby, yeah, not to football, and they have a pool of about 1.5 million people to pick. You know, that's their population. Yeah, their their, their pool of players is is far. I don't know in Ireland, obviously, like I've mentioned, rugby and GAA are more probably more popular than football. Yeah, both I would of them say. are. But uh, but 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 at the same time, Ireland would have a bigger pool of players. But that. that to see to, to 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 have Scotland and Wales both qualify for this upcoming Euros and Northern Ireland in recent years have outperformed. They have. Massively. I, I was I was going to mention them, but you know they haven't won an international match since 2019, so I didn't mention them because <laughs> their form has dropped off a cliff. But yeah, in, in in but prior to that, they were they had improved a lot. Yeah, so I, I think for. Yeah, I suppose the, the the question now is, like I said, with nothing to play for essentially over the next two years, there probably is no harm. In, in allowing Kenny to take charge of the rest of the Euro campaign because, I mean, if we can't qualify, we can't qualify. If he knows the young players and he feels that he can bring them through into the senior squad and, and help to develop them, well, then if, if this process is going to take years, now is the time to do it because there's, there's nothing happening over the next two years. But he's now gone at his first nine games without a win. The record is 12 and you do not want to be the least successful manager in Irish footballing history. You do not want the, the, the longest consecutive run without a win in it, managing Ireland because that, like, that is an awful, awful title. Yeah, of, co- of course it is. I mean, I think if they were going to sack him, if I was in charge and I was going to sack him, it would have been a, a reaction to the Luxembourg defeat being like, listen, Stephen, th- that this is, this is across the board. For anyone was in charge for this, this is completely unacceptable. You cannot be losing at home to Luxembourg, after, especially after the results you've put together. I think considering that hasn't happened and the amount of faith they've shown him in him, the way he was appointed, as you've mentioned, I think it shows that he's the, the FAI's man for the long term and... Uh, if he is, then he should be given time to to try because it is a difficult project, and it's. it's I don't envy him what he's trying to do. <laughs> no, but man, look, he, he he played five defenders at home to Luxembourg. Mm, yeah, yeah. Again, again, like, yeah. When, when you dress it up, and we didn't score a goal. Yeah, 
what, what kind of progressive football is this? You know, we, we're not making chances. It's not even like we, we our strikers are missing chances. We're, it's, it's sideways passes between the defenders and, and the midfielders because there isn't that genuine quality there to, to help break down these teams yet. And that's that's why Ireland have always been traditionally so um, route one because, because we tend to lack that quality in, in, in central areas. But look, anyway... We've banged on enough about Ireland being absolutely rubbish. England's opposition apparently is, is too poor, Joe. They want they want to kick these guys out of the qualifiers, have them all do pre-qualifiers. Um, England can play uh, some international friendlies against some top teams that are worth far more money uh, in terms of TV deals. And, you know, maybe we can just send them straight to the tournament. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, no, I, I I, mean, I think the reaction from the British, from the English press, I should say, rather to these two wins. And, and I mean, if you take if you take if you take away the likes of San Marino from the qualifiers, then you don't get the results like Luxembourg beating Ireland. And those results do happen from time to time. I think the Faroe Islands picked up a win over the weekend as well. Can't remember who they were playing, but I think they might have done. Um, I think Montenegro have I, won their first two games as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They... A lot of the Balkan sides have, have improved a lot recently. North Macedonia have qualified for the for the for the Euros. Albania uh, have a lot of uh, much better players than they've ever had before as an independent nation. A lot of players playing in Serie A for pretty good teams. Um, yeah, Group Group G has Turkey and Montenegro at the top, ahead of the Netherlands mm-hmm. and Norway after the first two games. And Turkey, Turkey went to to Amsterdam and won three nil. And and then they, I think they beat them both away. And then they went to to Oslo and they beat Norway two 0 or three 0 Unbelievable. Yeah. We'll, we'll Unbelievable touch on Norway results. a little bit later. So continue with England. Yeah. But that, that was the, the yeah, greater just, point anyway. Is that these minnows are capable of winning games. Mm. And, and and on England, I, I think play, playing uh, San Marino and, and then Albania. I, I think that the bare minimum is a five nil against San Marino and a two nil against Albania. I mean, I didn't expect too much more. I wouldn't really expect like seven, eight. You can't really expect more than five nil, can you? Like there's only so many minutes in a match. And, you know, any more than that is, is, is a bonus. Against Albania, I think two nil is probably uh, like, I'd be, I'd be surprised if it, Albania have centre-backs playing for top six Serie A teams. So I would, I would be surprised if England went and beat them like, Four, five, six, nil. Albania are much improved in recent years. Like I think those are they're two good results, but again, it's the absolute bare minimum when you look at the the players and the resources that England have available in comparison to San Marino and Albania. It's the absolute bare minimum. So the the reaction of the press praising a lot of the players who have come in. I saw a lot of praise for Jesse Lingard, for Ollie Watkins, James Ward-Prowse. I mean, if you can't impose yourself as a midfielder or a forward against San Marino. When are you going to impose yourself? Yeah, and but at, at the same time, you can only play against what's put in front of you. And I'm sure if Ireland mm. had swatted Luxembourg aside three 0 everyone would have said, "Oh, yeah, well, sure, look, it's only Luxembourg." Um, at, at the end of the day, yeah, I suppose. I th- I, th- I think at the same time, Luxembourg do have a couple of players who are playing relatively good standard of football in in the the Portuguese the. Fernandes who scored league. the goal yeah. played in the Portuguese league. There's a couple playing in in Bundesliga and uh, the Eredivisie, you know. So they're not quite as bad. They're not quite as bad as as perhaps we've made them out to be, and that they've been in in recent years. San Marino, I don't think you can say the same for. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. No. I think like with England, the bare minimum with England is to top your, the qualifying group. England always get a very favourable qualifying group. Um, 
you know, so the, the, the bare minimum is to be putting these teams teams away. We'll know a lot more about England when 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 we see them play in the Euros, and then we'll be able to see how they'll fare in the next tournament in Qatar, in the World Cup. We'll we'll get on to we'll, we'll get, get on, on to, to that. Conference. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, to, to round up a couple of the other um, results, you touched on Turkey there. Um, mm. Obviously, taking down the the Netherlands and taking down Norway. I, I mean, yeah. I was going through the Turkish team the other day, and I was on Kabak was the only and and Siuncu were the only players that I actually knew, and and Kabak was on the bench yeah. for the Norway game as well. Yeah, they have a lot of good. Uh, you know, Mary Demiral, right? He plays for Juventus. Center, oh, center, yeah. center, yeah. center, center plays for Juventus. They have Hakan Shakan. I can't pronounce it. Shak. Don't don't do it to yourself. Don't do it They're number ten who plays for AC Milan, whose contract is up at the end of the season. So he'll be. Co- he's a good player. Um, Barak Yilmaz, who spent years in the you know playing at the top of the of the Turkish league. Um, very good center forward certainly good enough to be to be scoring goals at international level um man they have a very good team I, from, from, from what I've, I've read on them I seem to have a lot of <laughs> I seem to follow a lot of Arsenal fans who are of Turkish descent on Twitter so <laughs> they would be posting regularly about about this so from what they are saying online this this is like the the best that they've been since 2008 when they got to the semis of the euros. Oh wow! I mean, yeah, yeah, they're really excited about this current crop of players, and and I mean, to be fair, those two results that they've had, everyone was talking about Norway, right? Yeah. I mean, in the Netherlands, we know we know the Netherlands are not at their best and haven't been for some time, but they're still on paper, you'd think, better than Turkey. So that's an emphatic win, and then everyone's talking about Holland and Odegaard and Turkey go and they they put them away and they haven't conceded. I think that's the most impressive thing is that how good their defense is and how good the crop of young defenders. They have are they have this, about five or six quality centre backs, man. This is what international football is all about. It's about not getting beaten, not losing games. Quite agree. Yeah, yeah. Quite <laughs> <agree>. Not conceding <laughs> goals. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said for it. Um, look, yeah. no, Norway, Joe, um, wore the the pro human rights T-shirts, the human rights yeah, on, yeah. on and off the pitch in in both yeah. their games. G- Germany followed suit, and. There, there have been lots of calls in Norway if, if the senior team do qualify um, to, to eventually boycott the tournament. I don't think that they've mm. officially announced whether they will or, or if they won't. Lots of FAs have come out and said that they support human rights around the world, but you know they won't be boycotting the tournament. FAs like the, the Dutch um, the Dutch FA. Are, are, are there real questions? Uh, well, for, first, I'm going I'm to ask about the World Cup in a minute, but I think mm. firstly it'll be interesting, obviously, Holland... Um, playing for Norway, wearing these human rights on and off the, the pitch T-shirts. I think it'll be interesting to see which club he moves to next year. Should he move to mm. Barcelona, PSG, Manchester City or Chelsea? I think those images may, may be thrown back at him at some mm. stage if he's earning uh, half a million pounds a week on, on, on the back of um, a, a shady oil oligarch. Um, mm. But uh, in, in relation to the wider question about the tournament, obviously The Guardian um, released a report last month um, which revealed that over six and a half thousand migrant workers have died um, in Qatar in the last decades yeah. through construction projects on these uh, on these stadia. It's it's slave labor. It is, There's and literally no other way even, to put to put it. This it's slave labor. They're not even migrant workers, as as many of them would have been recruited for an initial fee to come over, and yeah. upon, upon arrival they would have had their documents taken off them. 
um, yeah. so that they could not leave the country. And, and many of them haven't been paid for the best part of the last year. It, that, that Those are only the official reports as well. I'm sure lots of these guys have gone unpaid for considerably longer than that. I've, I've seen video images of the dormitories and then the areas that they're sleeping in about the size of a, a normal um, double bedroom with maybe 13 or 14 guys sleeping on bunk beds around the room with, with cot mattresses laid out on the floor. Um, and the, the Guardian report, the official numbers um, suggest that 7% of those 6,500 deaths are by suicide. And I would imagine that the actual number is higher than that. But that is at least mm. 500 confirmed suicides um, in the construction project. Man, this, like, yeah. this, this is I awful. Mean, I mean, I mean, man, we have, I mean, this, this is, this is true. Good NGOs like Amnesty International and good newspapers like like the Guardian uh, are reporting facts. We 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 know this is true. We see every now and again images are leaked of this. It's 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 the same as in Xinjiang and in China. We know what's going on. It's not no one's making this up. Let me let, let me, I don't really want to make comparisons to past atrocities, but let me ask you this: What happened to South Africa under apartheid law? major international tournaments were boycotted by uh, countries around the world. Exactly. South Africa weren't allowed to compete in international sport. We knew what was going on in South Africa back then. We know what's happening in in Qatar and in China. Why are Qatar (laughs) firstly allowed to compete, but secondly, yeah, exactly. It's because of the money. But this this is just, man, I I think that the, the, if Norway and Germany were to qualify, and to dis- and, and especially a team like Germany, but any team, even in Norway, to, to to boycott it, that would be huge. That would be brilliant, and that is the right thing to do. This this World Cup should not go a- go ahead. It, it, man, it's, it's not even, just even the circumstances of which the contract was awarded to Qatar in the first place. Mm. The, like half half of FIFA was sacked on the back of this because of yes. the bribery uh, scandal that came out. Like the the, the World Cup was bought illegally through bribery on the back of money generated through human rights infringements. Can I ask you something? Will you watch it? Joe, I, I would want Ireland to boycott it if they were going. Um, mm. Will I watch it? I mean, I don't know, to be honest. I, I don't know. I, I don't think I will. I watched the last one. I mean, there were a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk about Russia the last time because of, uh, you know, it's, it's human rights abuses. And they are awful as well. But at the same time, there is... It's not the same level as this. We don't. It's not the, the stadiums in Russia weren't constructed off the back of slave labor. Brazil I mean, was just, maybe more comparable. Lots of people died mm, building stadia in Brazil, but I yeah. don't necessarily think that any that that was classified as slave labor. That, that was just poor construction. That was just that was just um, construction Reckless. sites that weren't regulated properly. Yeah. The thing about the guess, yeah. Go ahead. The thing about these numbers, Joe, is that they're not even being denied by the Qatari government. They say that these deaths fall within the expected numbers uh, for people living in Qatar and, and, and for, the, for the demographic of people um, that they are. These are all workers from South Asia, from Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, yeah. um, some from Africa, some from the Philippines. Like the, and, and they're saying that this is normal. They would expect this many people to die doing any job. Yeah. As much as they, the, the loss of life is, is regrettable, I think they say um, it, it's to be expected and it's part, of, it's part of their business model, essentially. Right, so they work people to death. They, they, they treat them so poorly <laughs> that, that they, they, they either die or they commit suicide because they're in such 
shocking conditions. A, a massive, a massive number of those deaths. I think something like forty percent are classed as natural causes, which it means that there was no autopsy carried out, and, and the most likely event is that they died from dehydration um, or or heat stroke. Essentially, if if they're doing outdoor manual labor in 48, 50 degree heat in the middle of a desert um, with lack of nutrition and, and lack of fluids, there's only really going to be one outcome. Um, yeah, man, it's it's incredibly bleak. It's it's incredibly grim. Um, it, it it's it's pure slavery. Um, the, the World Cup should not be happening in Qatar. Every, everybody said from the start it, it shouldn't be happening. And that, that's before you consider, you know, disruptions to the football um, season or, or, or how the contracts were awarded and, and other countries that missed out. And, you know, so all of the, the those kind of irrelevant, like, you know, political issues. The actual human cost of, like, Six and a half thousand people. That's the official number. The official number mm. is six and a half thousand. And you, it, it's going to be a, a lot more than that. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I mean, this is the thing. There are arguments. There are obvious arguments against holding a, a, a World Cup in Qatar before we get before we get into human rights abuses, let alone before we get into this uh, this level of human rights abuse. You know, we. we it, the, the the treatment of, of women, the rights to for freedom of expression, freedom to practice whatever religion you want, um, uh, treat, treatment of of the LGBTQ community. I mean, treatment of minorities, the, treatment treatment of minorities. Man, across the board, this is this is about the worst place that you could be holding an international sports tournament. With Maybe Saudi together. Arabia. Uh, I mean, they're probably on the same level, right? It's about, it's about. They're not not far off each other, unless you're going to Syria or to to deep state Iraq. Yeah, yeah, holding holding it in the former ISIS, (laughs) in whatever's left of of the of of the ISIS. What what they're doing now isn't isn't much Mm. worse, you know. Yeah, of course. But there's no way. There's no way that, like, you can't boycott this though because. The, the rulers of Qatar are also the main sponsors of, of Barcelona, you know? And if suddenly mm. we start saying that this isn't okay, well, then you have to look at PSG. You have to look at Manchester City. And then you have to start looking at, at Chelsea. And, and these are all football club owners that should never have been allowed to get involved in the football clubs in the first place. But FIFA of course. FIFA dropped the ball or ignored it or, or UEFA or whoever. They were getting paid off at the time. And, and you can't, it's very difficult to take these assets away from people. You know, once they have them, once they're in possession of them, it's incredibly hard to reverse everything that's been happened. And, and if well, you can't. Well, you we can't. saw they own these clubs. Well, the Leeds yeah. owner w- was stripped of the club a few years ago, wasn't he? For for because he, of, of criminal proceedings, or sorry, he wasn't stripped of it, but the FA wouldn't allow Leeds mm. to compete while he was in charge or whatever it was. So it, it may come down to the individual FAs having to having to take a stand against this kind of stuff. But I mean. The, these clubs have destroyed wage structures around the world. They, they've changed football massively. If, if they were to, mm. to suddenly stop trading, I mean, there, there'd be a massive collapse in the market for a start. Um, um, but it's, it's not going to happen, though. This is the thing. They're too powerful. The, the, mon- the money at the top of, of football controls everything else. Mm. You can't go up against these guys. I mean, I think... I, 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 what was the... Uh, the owner of Leeds, he was the Italian guy, wasn't it? Was it... Yeah. I can't remember his name. 
I, I mean, he's a he's a minnow compared to these guys. I mean, he has he has money, but these guys these guys have have infinite resources. There's no going up against against these guys, and that's you that's, saw what Manchester City did to UEFA in the in the FFP, even though they yeah. they were they were guilty. <laughs> they yeah. were there on paper that they were guilty, and, and City just said, "No, nah, we're not having that." Sorry. Exactly. They, I mean, this is why the World Cup in Qatar is happening. It's been it was awarded through shady means and. The, because of the money involved in it, there's no way it's there's no way of stopping it now. And I, I mean, man, for, 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 from from my point of view, the only thing that we can do is, um, as fans, not watch it, as as fans, not travel to it, and then as national teams, hopefully, take a stand against it and refuse to go to play. I mean, I, I mean, I, I think that that's a. That's a, that's, that's a clear and obvious decision, but I think most will. I don't think there's enough noise about it. It's, it's just been. Let's 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 face it. It's probably just the. I don't want to sound too Europhilic, but it's probably just the European teams who would who would uh, contemplate not competing in it. And it, it, yeah, would contemplate it. And within most of those countries, it would only be the minority, kind of the the, the left wing side of these mm, of, course. of these countries as well like this isn't being reported on a wide scale across the british media it's, it's the guardian and the guardian alone that are highlighting these issues exactly yeah that's why you mentioned the guardian that's why we both mentioned the guardian it's like and the guardian is is a tiny newspaper these days i mean the circulation levels comparison to the right-wing press obviously telegraph being the the, the main right-wing uh, right of center uh, broadsheet is it you can't compare it and the the Guardian is ridiculed by by a lot of people. It's it's the more progressive countries as well. If you look, everyone thinks of Scandinavia, you know, as this progressive mm. u- utopia, and it's it's the Norwegians that have have actually started this discussion on the international stage, and and Germany as well, which, depending on how you look at it, will be considered quite progressive as well. And and you, the Netherlands yeah. already coming out saying that they're not going to boycott it. I don't think it's especially helpful. I'd imagine the English FA will come out and say that you know they they stand behind human rights as well but they won't be boycotting us um i mean that what does that say what does that say we stand behind human rights but we're not boycotting it no you don't stand behind human rights because if you stood behind human rights and actually believed in human rights then you would boycott it like they did with south africa the the way zimbabwe was stripped of test cricket status exactly exactly i mean it's easy to strip zimbabwe of test cricket status because they have no money yeah same with South Africa. South Africa were skint at the time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I think it, it's a, it's a harrowing look as to, as to how the how the world is run. Um, yeah, so there's a <laughs> there there's a nice gloomy way it's, I think it, to. It's an but an important discussion to have, right? Man, it's incredibly important. I, and I hope it's not the last one that we have on it because this is only going to you know as we get closer to the tournament, there's only going to be more noise about this. I would like to think. So we'll stay on top of that discussion as well. Yeah, of course. And I suppose it, it raises a wider question as well about player salaries. Um, I, I touched on Haaland there. And I'm not saying that this is on Erling Bird Haaland to, to change the culture of, um, you know, these, these rulers paying colossal fees to footballers while neglecting people in their own countries. Because obviously Haaland is free to go and play for whoever he wants, you know, Lots of great players go and, and play for these clubs. But when you look at Barcelona and, and you hear that they're the first club to break one billion euro in debt, you know, that money's all come from the Qatari state while these people are, are working for free in the stadium, dying, killing themselves because of, of, the, of the working conditions. 
while Leo Messi is, is earning 800 grand a week or something. Yeah, more than that. I think he's earning about 1.6 million a week in Euro. It's obscene, man. I, I mean, the. But does this conversation need to come back to the players at some stage? Yeah, I think it does because in in modern football, the players hold the power. I mean, you'd you'd, you'd love to see. We hear a lot about Mesut Ozil and the fact that he he he's had to demand such a high salary is that he has a certain amount of expenses that go to quite significant expenses that go to charities every month. I would love to hear more about that, that if Haaland did, I mean, in the current market, Haaland is clearly worth a, the going rate for a, a world-class player. The, uh, his, you know, contract, you know, his contract was, negotiation with, with City or Chelsea, whoever it is, is rumored to be about £400,000 a week. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's, that, that seems about right in the current market. I mean, it's crazy, but in the current market for a world-class striker, that seems about right at his age. You, you would love to hear of, of some of that, of, of a, a significant portion of that money Going back to to going into a good cause, and look, cause. I'm sure, I'm sure it will. But I think there's there's a wider a wider issue about salary caps and players should be pushing themselves. Mm. You know, I, I don't think it it shouldn't be down to them and their agents to get the best deal for each. Like, man, fifty. But it's very easy. But, 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 man, think about agents. Much. No, 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 no. Agents are money men. No agent yeah. is going to be trying to get a smaller deal for for his client because that means a smaller his or her client because that means a smaller percentage for 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 them themselves, um, and they they're going to be obviously they they'll say to all of their clients that football football's a short career so you have to earn as much as you possibly can right now and and you need to earn as much as you possibly can because of we course. have investments to make in you know in property or whatever to look after you when you. When you when you retire, so that you have a steady. But th- this is why in. the pressure needs to come from the fans to the players, you know, to the clubs. But at the same time, football is worth as much as it's worth, and the and most of these clubs generate colossal forms of revenue. And if yeah. the money is not going to the players, it's just going to the CEOs then. Mm. Or worse, it's going to the owners. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what but you mean. it's just staying at the top. And that's top, not to yeah. say that, you know, if Qatar hadn't blown a billion quid on Barcelona wages, that that money would have been invested back into the stadia. Because that's, mm. I, I think that's highly unrealistic to expect that, that that's the way it would have transpired otherwise, you know. Mm. If Chelsea weren't paying the wages that they're paying, Roman Abramovich isn't going to donate those wages to charity instead, you know. Yeah. Man, this is a it's a it's a bubble. The footballing, uh, the e- economics of football, it's it's a bubble, and like with all bubbles, there's a breaking point, and there's a point where it's going to burst. Um, club, man, most most of these clubs are run on debt. A lot, a lot of the major clubs are, yeah. A lot of the major clubs are are, are run on debt. Like it's it's there's, we, there's a, we're going to see. There's a, there's a big possibility, I would say, that we'll see a super club taken down because of its finance, because of its financial situation. And one, like I'm talking about a, a major club, major player, not like Leeds United getting relegated when they were kind of challenging for top four and occasionally getting in the Champions League. I'm talking about like Barcelona or Real Madrid or, you know, a, a serious, serious club 
And that's no disrespect to Leeds United. But man, they'll, you know, they'll just start league. again, though. You know, you look at Juventus when they got relegated two tiers. You look at um, Rangers when they had to dissipate and come back again. I know, I know, Rangers isn't necessarily comparable to Barcelona, but all it takes is a new billionaire to, to you know, franchise that name and buy the stadium, and then suddenly, after five or six years, they're back. Yeah, you're probably right. It's not a. <laughs> It's like just, money by success, you you can take yeah, you yeah, can yeah, take a, yeah. a nothing club, but once it has a, a big brand and a big reputation and, and and fired up the leagues incredibly quickly, fans will still go if they're especially if they're guaranteed to win every week. Mm. This is I don't think that enough is said about this. Do you remember when the Saudi takeover was touted? And I mean, this still might we we Newcastle still might um, come back to that that just got mike ashley wants to sell that club the saudis were interested in buying a premier league club and that was the one that they were they were looking at that's that that deal cannot go through well that move was only blocked because that, the elite premier league clubs didn't want another major player mm. that wasn't blocked on any genuine human rights grounds because other clubs would have been blocked for the same reasons in, in the past you know it's it's highly um Highly uh, hypocritical, hypocritical, hypocritical yeah. to for Manchester City to turn around and say no, the Saudis can't own Newcastle on human rights grounds, or or Chelsea to turn around and say that. Like it, that's that's incredibly hypocritical. So it's it's just the fact that they didn't want another major player. Um, last week FIFA relaxed the the FFP rules. They 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 scrapped that idea and said they're they're moving towards a new model of financial control, which will allow you know smaller clubs to invest whatever they like to compete with bigger clubs. So it's essentially opening it up to more free market capitalism you know go for it uh, it's a race to the top who, who can spend the most um so look yeah. i'm sure it'll be incredibly interesting when the premier league becomes a a, a, a a super league you know when every single team is owned by a billionaire and everybody's player contracts are, are worth you know several billion per year and you know there's no relegation or promotion and it's, it's a 10 team league and look it, it's it's all going to change the the football football that we grew up watching Joe is, is a thing of the past and, and that makes us sound incredibly old, but it's, it's, it's all going to change over the next few years. It shows how quickly it's changed in our lifetime as well, because we, 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 we could, you know, we remember very well when it was, when it was, when you could have, when you could create something out of nothing. I don't know. We had the Leicester city uh, success in 2016, but I mean, that's a, that'll never happen again. I don't no. think. I don't think that'll ever happen again. No, because there won't be newly promoted teams, Joe. The, the mm. promotion and relegation will be a thing of the past very, very soon. If you if you look, to, football seems to be moving towards an American model. You know, every, every year we seem to get closer to it. And um, we'll be doing draft systems before you know it. And you know, there'll be like a sixteen-team league that that's a the fixed. Oh my god! It's 16. going to just it's going to be like the IPL. Yeah, that's exactly what it's going As to be. As cricket like. fan, man, I, 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 do you know what? I'll, I'll start watching the EF. I'll, I'll, I'll start watching the championship if it comes to that. Man, I don't watch IP. I don't start watch start watching IPA. Irish football, man. You know, put, start put, watching put Irish some football. money into the FAI. We, we, we could go to watch Cabin Tealy. <laughs> ah, Bray Wanderers, man. Bray Wanderers, yeah. I'm just thinking which is closer. <laughs> Joe, we'd never support Cabo. Come on. I couldn't. No, you're right. I couldn't support Cabin Tealy. It's just the thought of supporting Bray is also. <laughs> uh, look, I'm a former, I'm a former Bray season ticket holder. I, I, I know you are. I know you are. You, <clears throat> proper, proper grassroots fan back in the day. Um, but I was, I was, man, yeah. In in cricket, we would never. I would. I could never bring myself to watch the IPL for precisely that reason, because it's 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 uh, it's not done the right way. 
county championship all the way so yeah i think if, if, if push came to shove you know it'd be great to support an irish team wouldn't it yeah and man to be honest it, it might well be the way that we go we we see you're seeing non-league football becoming more popular in the uk as well i mm. think the uh, main in the fa cup um highlighted you know how lots of big football fans will go and support smaller teams as well. Maine are obviously based on Merseyside and they actually attract large numbers of Everton and Liverpool and Tranmere fans to the game every weekend because the, mm. you know, it, it's something different to the, the Premier League one. I, I think they say that about half of their fans or over half their fans are, are Liverpool fans that, that enjoy coming to watch a, a smaller second team. And I think that, Look, obviously, globally, people will still have eyes on the on the Premier League, but the Premier League will become more of a global thing than an English thing, or or at least those, already, those top English yeah, teams. I, I, I think it already is, and I, 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 I that's the kind of that's the impression that I get when I, I think Twitter says that as well. I think there's a real disparity between old school football fans and young football fans. And that's not any. That, that's not anything wrong about that because young football, you can only, you can only digest. You know, you can only, you only know what you know. And young football fans never experienced um, the Premier football. League when, <laughs> when, yeah, the Premier League when it still had some authenticity about it. Yeah. I mean, now it's it's it, now it's now it's just entertainment. We might as well be watching WWE. Yeah, so look, guys, watch, watch this space for next season's FAI uh, Premier Football Podcast. You know, we'll be doing live shows from from outside the Carlisle grounds every week, you know, <laughs> interviewing fans and, and you know, get, getting back to getting back to the core of real football. Um, we yeah. should be doing that. That would be good. We should be doing that. Yeah, that well, look, good. you never know, man. You never know. Um, watch this space. How, Joe, how's the, how's the true crime research coming on? I'll have a look at it this week, Rafe. Yeah, when you you're finished your essays this week, right? So we'll be I've, looking I've got at a couple doing of weeks that. off now. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we'll we'll do that next week then. That'll be great. I can't wait for it. I can't wait for it. I'll have. I mean, it only takes a few. Who knows? We could look into the Qatar World Cup. No, I think we'll look into something else. No, man, but, that, yeah. that, that's a bleak true crime story. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Man, any true crime story is bleak. If it involves yeah, but human I, rights abuse or murder or something, I th- I think it needs an ending. I think it needs to be solved. You know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, Maybe we need, we could we need t- a conclusion. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I was telling you there was that nice robbery story in, in Milan with the lads scaling the buildings and stealing from wealthy people. It sounded a little bit like a little Robin Hoodie. I know as a as a, a committed eco-socialist, you probably <laughs> <laughs> on board with that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, look, we'll um we'll we'll announce the details of, of that podcast soon enough. We will be back probably next Monday to do a Premier League review and then hopefully later on in the week we will do our True Crime podcast so stay tuned for both of those things Joe it's been a blast this morning thanks for coming on absolutely Rafe great great way to start the day perfect way to start the day and we're due to have some sun in Dublin which is very rare and it's going to be much appreciated (laughs) right well look I'll leave you go lather yourself up in sun cream Joe and uh, I'll catch you next week all right